We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of One on One with former Chiefs Jeff Allen and Mike DeVito. 17 years of NFL experience between them, including eight with Andy Reid. One on One is a weekly show from a couple of guys who know what it's like to step on the field for Chiefs Kingdom and can share stories you've never heard before with a perspective you can't find anywhere else on a weekly basis. One on One is proudly presented by Cookie Society. Don't forget to hit that follow button so you don't miss anything from the highest ranked Chiefs podcast network of 2022. And now, the latest episode of One on One with Jeff Allen and Mike DeVito. What is up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome back to One on One, a KC Sports Network podcast. I am your co-host, Mike DeVito, here as always with Kansas City Chiefs legend Jeff Allen. And today we have an incredibly special guest, someone that I have had always had a ton of respect for as a player and as a person. We have the three-time Super Bowl champion, the perennial pro bowler, the analyst, the old school man. I love that. I Mark, I loved watching you play, brother, because it's like, damn, that's I want to be like him. We got Mark Schlaff. Mark, what's up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Always a pleasure to hook up with you, man. It's always good to hear your voice. Oh, it's great, brother. We're doing doing well. Great to have you on. So excited to get your thoughts about this game coming up. But first, talk to me. What's going on now, man? What have you been up to recently? Uh, you know, just uh, every weekend I'm at a different game. Uh, yeah. I haven't got to do any Kansas City games, unfortunately. I would love to do those, but uh, – mm. But, you know, I'm working for Fox. I do mostly NFC games. Every now and again, I, I dabble with a, an AFC opponent, but uh, uh, not not all that often. So every weekend I'm at a different game. Uh, right now I'm in New York City because I was doing a little TV this week uh, for FS1. But um, traveling around, calling games uh, every every day. I'm, I You know, I sit up every night and watch film. It's like a, being a player, you know, and, I, I've got all these cards, you know, with my notes on it. I've got impeccable uh, penmanship. Prepared. <laughs> uh, and so, like, it, it's it, it's a lot like playing without getting the crap beat out of yourself. So, um, I really enjoy it. I enjoy studying. I enjoy talking to coaches. I, you know, I, I, I get an opportunity to uh, consult for several different teams over, you know, over the last couple of years. So, uh, it, it, it keeps you really connected to the game, which I've, I've really enjoyed. So, so, Mark, you're 20 years out post football. Mike, you're six years out. I'm about almost three years now out. And toward the end of my career, I started to see this trend with social media. You see with guys today, it's the norm to go on their pregame, postgame, 
give their peace of mind. They have podcasts and all that. Um, heading to this Bengals game, Justin Reed has some comments about him locking guys up. Team didn't win, apparently. Um, he said he still did his job. You think that's appropriate for a guy after a loss to still go online and scream he did his job? I, I, it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Mm. What, what do you guys think? Um, yeah, li- listen, I mean – it's it's part of the world we live in, right? And um, and one thing, like I enjoy social media. I enjoy getting after people. I enjoy like like I lived my whole life in a locker room. Um, yeah. Don't come at me if you don't want to if you don't want to tangle. I mean, I, it's cause, great, Mark. Cause I, great. I, I, I can roll. I can roll with just about anybody. So, um, I think one of the one of the issues that I have in the social media world, one of the things that bothers me. Um, for a lot of the kids in, in you know that are in the in, in the game right now in the league right now is um, some guys are more uh, are more concerned with building their brand than building their career mm-hmm. and and my thing that I tell young guys all the time is build your career your brand will follow you know think yeah. good things will happen to you um, but you know you, you you can get so involved in the ancillary things that don't matter um, that you can sit back uh, and 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 be booted out of the league and go, Oh my God, what happened to me? So I always, I always try to impress upon the young players of today is like, you're here because you can play football, not because, you know, not because of the social media following. And, and for me, like, one thing that I learned a long time ago, right when I retired and I, and I got into this business, even before there was social media, um, I had a, a producer, um, who's a program director, the first radio station I ever worked at in Denver, Colorado. And he said, hey, listen, here's the key to this thing. You want 50% of the people that love you and 50% of the people that hate your guts. Mm. And he goes, as long as you have that ratio, you're going to be great in media. Mm. And so I look at some of the hate and some of the vitriol and some of that, and I'm like, good, I'm doing my job. Yeah. Like, I'm doing my job. Right. And then, you know, and then the idiots, when the idiots come at you, you know, I, I just feel um, – obligated to make sure i let them know that uh that you know if, if you're going to get on this on this platform um you better come correct otherwise i'm gonna eat i'm gonna you know i'm gonna get in your ass so <laughs> so anyhow that, that's kind of how i operate yeah. my favorite post and both of you guys did it um but it, it just i was both because i it, it's funny that both of you are on here because it, it, the two of my favorite responses you had Troll, both of you guys had trolls on there talking shit about something. And both of you posted pictures of your Super Bowl rings on your hand. <laughs> like, yeah. like, listen, we win, bro. We win. Yeah, yeah, that's how you <laughs> do it, At the end man. of the day, we win. It's like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. The ultimate was just trolling. Like, you, there's nothing you could say. Like, we, we got Super Bowl rings, you know? Oh, that's great. Speaking of those Super Bowls, Mark, you won those in Denver. I know you follow the team. Uh, plugged in up there, man. Talk to me. What's sort of the state of the union? I, I feel like it's it's quite the anomaly right now with sort of with Russell Wilson and what and and just the drop off from where he was to where what? he is now, and 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 everybody's sort of searching for answers of what's going on now. But I mean, give me the state of the union up there, brother. What in the world is going on in Denver? Yeah, it's uh, it's bad. I mean, as you know, it's it's horrendous. Like, I mean, think about this. Now, you know, Kansas City and Denver were supposed to be. The Sunday night football game, right? And um, and NBC flexed Denver out. Like this is how bad it is in Denver right now. Is that Patrick Mahomes is coming to town? The dude's the unicorn. 
He's must-see television. That That's right. Patrick Mahomes. Right. And Russell Wilson and the Broncos are so bad. Like, we can't stomach one minute of the Broncos offense. So we'll take the ca- – I mean, we'll take the, the, the cash cow, the, you know, the sacred cow, and we'll dump him because we don't want to watch Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense. Like, that's how bad it is right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, think about this. He is the equivalent. So Patrick Mahomes is the equivalent of the unsinkable Titanic steaming across the Atlantic right now, and Russell's just bobbing in the water. He's the iceberg. <laughs> and and we're, we're, like, we have sunk, we have sunk the freaking Titanic. Like, that's how bad, that's oh. how bad things in Denver. And and the the level of tone deaf attitude that that guy has is uh, it's it's not, I've never seen anything like it. I, like man, if I didn't play well, I didn't I, I didn't sleep, I didn't like eat, I didn't like it was that's the hardest thing in the world. That guy bebops so along like hey, playing like absolute garbage. I mean, I haven't been worth a squirt of piss for 12 straight games, but that's mm. just part of the process. No, it's not part of the process. You've been a nine-time Pro Bowler. Yeah. yeah, I've never, ever seen somebody fall off the map as dramatically as he has. Mm. And I have got to believe, and I go back to Pete Carroll and what Pete Carroll wants and what Pete Carroll demands. I have got to believe that Russell wanted out of Seattle because Pete didn't let him do the things he wanted to do. You know, he wanted, I I believe he wants to become Drew Brees. I believe he wants to become, you know, this shotgun pocket passer, this, that. And I, I, I just know Pete Carroll was like, Hey dude, that's not your skill set. We're not going to do that here. And Mm so, you know, finally he got his way and and here's a, you know, this is just coaching one-on-one. And it's me, you know, playing for 12 years in the league and then me covering this league for 22 years. Um, it's one thing to appoint a coach. It's another thing to empower a coach. Mm-hmm. And you guys know this as players. If your coach isn't empowered, players will players will walk all over that. It's they over. won't listen. They won't like it's whatever, over. dude. What are you gonna do? You're not right. in charge of this place. And Nathaniel Hackett comes in, and there's no question that he hasn't been empowered. Russell's the guy in power. And it's to me, it's really sad. And here's the thing that really bothers me more than anything else. We talked about that team, that brotherhood. Like, great leadership happens when you care more about the people you lead than you care about yourself, right? Okay. That's when that's when championships happen. That's how you win. And it's, there's a reason it's hard to win a championship because it's hard to get 53 players and a coaching staff to to all pull in that direction, right? It's hard to get that kind of leadership and create that kind of culture. That's why. Winning championships is hard because everybody in the NFL has got talent. Like, there's nobody that doesn't have talent. So that's really the differentiator. Um, and this, like, right now, like, here's here's what really kills me is you came here, you got, you know, carte blanche, you, you got the run of the organization, mm-hmm. um, and you are going to get every coach on that staff fired. Mm. And that – and it – feels to me like that's okay with you Mm. and pardon my french but that's bullshit Mm. that is absolute bullshit and it really bothers me Mm. um and nathaniel and i'll I'll, you know full disclosure nathaniel has become a friend of mine like Mm. you know i i'm i go over there and i talk to him multiple times and i'll talk to him on the cell phone we'll text um 
he's going to get fired and he knows he's going to get fired and he's never been empowered to do, you know, the things that he wants to do. I, I know I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent sure of that. Um, and it, it really bothers me that, 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 that level of what I consider selfishness really bothers me. And it's so funny. And Jeff, I don't yeah. know if you, I don't know if you have a different opinion than I do, but I feel like that, until this year, because I totally agree with you, Mark, but it seems like until this year, that was, wasn't was Russell Wilson's brand. Like, I felt like mm-hmm. he seemed to come off like the, like the nerd, like kind of nerdy, like not a guy, like yeah. a nerdy dude, yeah. but like more of a selfless type guy. Maybe, uh, maybe, I, maybe I, I mean, that's, that speaks to Pete, to Pete's, you know, approach and the way he was handling things in Seattle. Uh, I don't know pers- Russell personally. I, I trained with him coming out for the draft, but we don't have that type of relationship. But, from the outside looking in, there is a lack of accountability. Yeah. It's almost like everything is scripted, and it, it, he's doing what he thinks he's supposed to be doing instead of playing the game with the emotion that you're supposed to play with. You're supposed to be pissed off sometimes. We all fuck up. We all have bad games. Just admit it, dude. That's all. Just admit yeah. it. Don't don't make yourself bigger than the team just because you're the quarterback, and go win some football games. And I think that it'll be better if you can do that. But uh, so let me, and let me ask you guys a question. Um, because this was brought to my attention and, and again, like no inside information on this, but I saw it during training camp. Um, you know, his wife is famous and I get that. And, you know, and all the other families are out there, um, you know, at training camp under a tent, they are too. They all go out to the porter potties if they have to use the restroom. She has free reign and the kids have free reign of the Broncos facility. And, you know, and free reign of the facility, you know, every day of the week, if they want to come over and do whatever. And like, here's, here's where I would be like, we had days like on Tuesdays or whatever, I'm coming over to get treatment. I've got one of my kids with me, you know, and it's, and it was, this is the way we operate. This is the way we behave. And you're by my side the whole time. But like, I would never, even if I had, that kind of gravitas within the organization, I would never, ever abuse that or do something that my teammates weren't given the same privilege to. Mm. And yeah. and so, and again, I don't, this is just, this is things that I've heard. I witnessed, you know, I witnessed Turner training camp, and I don't know if it's true or not, but like little things like that. Um, and again, it's, it's the lack of uh, it, what is perceived or what I believe to be a lack of, uh, of, you know, of, of being aware. There's a tone deafness. There's a tone deafness there that that would really bother. I think would really bother me as if I was a player over there. And and this again, somebody reached out to me and said that they thought this is what was going on within that. And I don't know, but if it is, um, mm-hmm. I, I just again, it would it'd be just another way that you've set yourself apart from your teammates, and that to me is not cool. Exactly. And if you're going to do that, it's already going to make people feel a certain type of way. But if you're going to do that, you better play well. That's exactly <laughs> right. Play well. That's not, exactly right. That's if Tom Brady issue. is going to win six or seven Super Bowls, I, you know, if in Giselle and they want, they want to take, but if he's going to be winning Super Bowls, fine. Cool. You know what I mean? But like, yeah, you yeah. got to come in and improve it. No doubt. I mean, you know, and, and maybe, you know, this is a podcast with three linemen. So you, you're going to get a certain, you know, you're going to get a certain bent. I think, uh, I think to us, something like, well, I know to us, something like that is so outlandish that you, I, even if I was as famous as those 
Right. Those guys. You just never would do it. But I get it. Yeah. Their quarterback's going to have a little more sweat, a little more, you know, ego maybe. But, yeah, damn, everybody knows you better win. Like, you want you want carte blanche, you better bring some rings in here. <laughs> um, and that's just and, – and as soon as things start going downhill – that's when you gotta say, okay, put the put the cap on, like it's over, like we, right. You know what I mean? And it's just you still see this. Uh, what what do you keep saying, Mark? It's a, it's the great way this um, tone deaf. It's and yeah. You, yeah. you just keep seeing it. It doesn't fix. It's like you got to get it right now, Russell. You got to get it right, man. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, my goodness, brother. And now on the – so we got the Chiefs, Chiefs coming into town. Uh, talk to me about – so switching gears, sorry, I know I'm switching gears hard here, but Mark, I'm curious uh, about your uh, memories of this rivalry, right? Because, you know, Jeff and I both experienced it recently, obviously, but you you know, mm-hmm. you you were in some heated battles with these two teams. I mean, talk to me, what is this rivalry like between Denver and KC? Yeah, it, it was, in my playing days, um, it was big time. There was, there was such a mutual respect for for the Kansas City Chiefs from our side. And um, and I think that, you know, I think that respect went both ways. Marty Schottenheimer was coaching them. They were always one of the top teams in the AFC, one of the top teams in the AFC West. Um, and, you know, I mean, it was back in the Neil Smith and Derek Thomas and Dan Saliamua days and um, Tracy Simeon and, and uh, gosh, I mean, the, just so many great, just so many great players. Uh, that played for the Chiefs on the defensive side of the football. Um, and so, you know, I mean, it was a great offensive line out there with Wheel Shields and, mm. and Dave Zott. And, and uh, th- there's so many good players, um, Grun- Grun- Grunny. And, like, there, it was just a really good rivalry. And, you know, one of the things that I always felt like, um, like going to Kansas City, I loved going and playing in in Kansas City in Arrowhead against the Chiefs 
because I always felt like I, I always felt like if you could go to Kansas City, you don't even have to win. If you could just play well in Kansas City, mm. you were a good football team. Mm-hmm. It was it, and for me during during those days, it's the hardest place I played mm. in. Um, you know, the fans sit right on top of you. So, you know, you're on the bench and, and literally they're eight feet away from you and they're, you know, maybe 10 feet above you. So they're like almost hanging down while you're sitting there trying to draw plays and stuff, just in your <laughs> ear, yelling at you. And it was so loud and so organized. And, um, you know, I always used to joke around. I go, I wish we could just cancel the game and eat barbecue outside. With the like it would, <laughs> it's, a, it's a greatest smell. It's a greatest smelling stadium in the history. <laughs> great smelling stadium. So, <laughs> like you, you roll, you'd roll in there and you're like, damn, this yeah. really smells good. I wish <laughs> we didn't have to, so I wish we just eat barbecue today. But um, yeah, I always, I always felt that way. I always had a ton of respect um, for the chiefs as an organization and, and always, you know, they had great players and um, man, we had a, we had some really good games against them. And, you know, obviously my first couple of years in Denver, um, you know, my first year in Denver, they, they kind of had our number. My second year in Denver, I think, um, you know, the tide started to turn a little bit. And then, you know, my last, um, two or three years, you know, we kind of, we kind of flipped that script, but they had, they had had our number earlier previously to me getting here. Um, and, and they had us in 95. I think they beat us twice in 95 and we might've, I think we might've split with them in 96 and 97, um, you know, lost their one at home, something of that nature. Um, but, and we ended up getting that victory in the, uh, in a divisional playoff game in Kansas city. I think we won 14 to 10. Um, and it, but again, it was just one of those. I mean, I remember going there. I think in 1997, um, and and losing on a last second field goal, and walking. And that was like in November. Um, I had back surgery the the next day, a day and a half after. I played that game. I had no feeling in my left foot the, the entire game. And um, but remember going, you know, jumping on a plane to LA right after and then Monday morning and having Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, I had the back surgery. But I remember coming out of that game, uh, losing on the last second field goal, I believe, thinking to myself, we're a damn good football team. <laughs> like we came, we came in here and went toe to toe with the Chiefs. That means we're mm. a damn good football team. And I know you don't get moral victories, but um, if you go in and play well in Kansas City, that's a moral victory in my, in my mind. Like, it, mm. like it, it means you're pretty damn good because that place is um, during the course of my career it was the toughest place that we played yeah. without, without question. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, I hadn't gotten to, I was with the jets for my first six years and I hadn't gotten a chance to play in Arrowhead. We played KC, but in New York. And I remember my first game out there being on defense and being like, wow, you know, it was like outside of Seattle, I had never experienced anything like, I mean, it was just so loud, so incredibly mm-hmm. loud. I mean, it really is a special atmosphere there. Like nothing, I feel like, like nothing comparable in the other, you know, it, the other it's, it's really like a college atmosphere. You, you yeah. talk about the league. Um, the yeah. Kansas city gives you the college feel, not, not, not in any disrespectful manner. That's right. a compliment. So, right. <clears throat> right. What was it like coming to Denver? I like I, I had never played as a visitor in Denver. I only played there as a as a member of the home team. So what was it like for you guys coming to Denver? Denver, Denver was tough at times, especially when you guys were winning. Um, but the altitude, man, that definitely got me. That first quarter was always tough. 
So I tried to get out there pregame early. I get on that first bus and give myself a workout pregame just to adjust. Um, early in my career, I didn't do that. And the first quarter was always a struggle for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Mark, I had my first six years, I had Brady and Welker in their prime in New England. Always yeah. losing. Then I come out to Kansas City and I have Peyton Manning mm-hmm. and Welker. Right. And yeah. <laughs> like, damn it, man. So like now that so it's kind of like your career, my, my career was the opposite, where it was like now the tides have turned more into Casey's favor, obviously recently. But when my first three years there, Jeff, it was always, you know, towards we, we were competitive with them. I think we split with them in 2015. But, you know, Manning was, you know, Manning was killing it. So yeah. it, was, it was, I just remember being so frustrated. I, I, thinking, I, I mean, I do remember that year they won the Super Bowl. We, we dominated them at we home. We killed but them it, that it, year. It, it didn't matter. Yeah. No, it didn't matter. No, we knocked yeah. Peyton out of the game. Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was fun. But but I do love the rivalry. And you're right, there is a there is a mutual respect there between these two teams. It, it didn't have the the feel like that nasty feel with the Jets and the Patriots, or even KC and the Raiders. Like it was obviously a rivalry, and you you know it had that feel, but it was more respectful. Yeah. Like two organizations that you know respected yeah. each other more. I guess your typical yeah. rivalry. Yeah, I, I like playing against the Raiders, and I was eleven and one in my five, in my six years in Denver against the Raiders. That's awesome. Um, they were my personal good things, and you know, <laughs> we like w- there was real there was real hatred. Like I, I, no. I hated the Raiders. Like I, right. there was real hatred there. Yeah, uh, KC, KC. There was just like I said, it was just mutual respect. I just right. respected the heck out of it. I thought the players they had were great. Um, I thought, you know, I just thought that the games were always physical and they were always competitive. And um, I just had a lot of respect for Kansas City. Um, You know, Raiders, like I said, there was just a a pure hatred. As a matter of fact, I'll I'll tell you guys a funny story. So I'm right out of I'm right out of the league. And this is my first Super Bowl I'm covering is um, the Raiders, the Raiders playing Tampa Bay in San Diego. In, in 2001 season. It's my first year out of the league. And um, so I'm in San Diego covering the Super Bowl for ESPN. And I go out outside of uh, San Diego East, you know, and into this uh, this charity event, charity party event um, for a colleague of mine. And so I come out of the party. It's like I got to be on SportsCenter the next morning is is Sunday morning. It's Saturday night, I think. And I got to be on SportsCenter Sunday morning. Um, And, you know, it's it's seven o'clock or I think it's six o'clock SportsCenter Eastern, six o'clock a.m. So which means, uh, no, it was seven o'clock. So I'm on at four a.m., you know, Pacific time. Right. So it's like nine o'clock. I'm like, I got to get out of here. So I leave this restaurant um, and I go out to the to the stance before Uber. And I try to get a cab, and the guy goes, "Hey, man, it's me. Two hours before you get a cab." Mm. And I'm like, "You gotta be kidding me! You gotta be!" And it's like I'm trying to go. Are you serious? Is there anything else I can do? What? And all of a sudden, this big suburban pulls up, and six dudes from the restaurant come out. They're all in in uh, they're all in Raiders gear. And so I say, I say to these guys, I go, "Hey, man." You guys going by the gas lamp district by chance? Because I can't get, I need to get back to my hotel and I don't have a ride. And they're like, oh yeah, come on, pop in. Mm. So it's, 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 uh, well, it was five, it was five guys. So it was a guy in the front, guy in the back, and then they had a big bench seat in the back. And it was another dude 
guy in the middle, and then me pressed up against the window. <laughs> and so I'm just I'm just sitting there minding my own business, right? And I can feel the guy on the opposite window of me keep leaning up and then keep he kept looking over, right? And I could you could, you know, your periphery, you could just feel it, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, do 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 so he keeps looking about three or four times he's looking and he finally goes, I know who you are. And I said, excuse me? He goes, I know who you are. I go, you do? And he goes, yeah. He goes, you're that dude on ESPN that used to play for the Broncos. That's always flipping the Raiders shit. And, and I, I, he goes, yeah, he goes, that's you. You're that guy. I go, that's not me. I go, me. And now all these guys, all five of them are looking at me. Yeah. You're that dude. You're the dude that hates the Raiders. You're the dude that's on TV. You're the dude that played for the Broncos. You hate the Raiders. You're the, and so now mind you, we're stopped on like, uh, on whatever highway we're on. It is like literally four lanes, dead traffic. We're not going two miles an hour. So we're like, we're just creeping along. And so this goes on for like literally four or five minutes. You're the guy, you're a dick, you know, da, 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 da. And I'm like, you got me all wrong. You got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy. No, no, no. You're the guy on ESPN. You play for that. I go, yes. Okay. You're right. I go, I am the dude on ESPN. And yes, I did play for the Broncos. But here's where you're wrong. I don't hate the Raiders. Yeah, you do. You're always flipping a shit. You hate the Raiders. No, I go, no, no, no. I don't hate the Raiders. I go, I love the Raiders. I said, you know why? Because I was 11 and 1 against their punk asses. As sure as I'm sitting here, I go, I was 11 and 1 against their punk asses. You guys are my personal good thing. Now we're stopped. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm either going to get the shit beat out of me by five Raider fans. Or they're going to think it's funny. And the car went dead silent. And it was like, it was, a, it was an uncomfortable pause. And then they just started laughing out loud. And we had the best time. We were in that car for like an hour and 20 minutes together, just shooting the crap and telling stories. And they dropped me off in my hotel. And as a matter of fact, a couple of years ago, I was, uh, I was doing, I did ballers with Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. And so I'm out in San Francisco shooting ballers. And, um, and we're in a stop now. We're in a break. And I hear from, from – there's a bunch of fans, you know, watching, trying to get a gl- glimpse of the rock, right? And all of a sudden I hear, stink, stink, stink. And I turn around. I'm looking around. Hey, stink. And there's some guy, you know, innocuous guy. And he goes, stink, it's me. I go, I don't know who you are. And he goes, I'm the dude that was driving that car in San Diego with all the Raider fans in it <laughs> when you got in with it. And so then we ended up, we were stopped down. We ended up talking for 15, 20 minutes. He was a, you know, some type of broker out of San Francisco and, you know, in the financial district and had done really well for himself. And uh, it, it was, it was, it was funny, but that's, that, that's fun. My, yeah. That's a hell of a story. Oh, that's hysterical. I, uh, cause you, you're right. You never know how those are get, how those are going to go. Right? I remember there are Patriots fans. My dad would show up to Patriots games and, uh, he would have friends that were Pats fans, and he'd be like, "Hey, can I go in and use your bathroom before we go to the game?" And they'd be like, "No." He'd be like, "Why?" I was like, "You're someplace for the Jets, so you ain't, you know, you like." They were like, "You, like, you're out, you're out, like, you're yeah. not, you know what I mean?" So it's like you just never know 
the type of fan you're going to get. So, oh, yeah, for you sure. Think you, you think you could have taken them, Mark, if they started swinging? Uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> they'd have been a, I'd, have gotten a, I'd have gotten a few of them. Eventually, they'd have gotten me. Oh, 11 and, you're 11 and 2 now. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I'd have been 11 and 2. You're right. Mark, you've given us so much time, brother. I want to thank you. Before we go, any thoughts on the upcoming game? I mean, is there, you know, obviously KC coming off that tough loss. Does Denver have a shot on this one? I mean, obviously it's the NFL. You always have a shot. But what are you, what are you thinking? Yeah, well, I don't know. Can they keep uh, Kansas City below nine points? Because that's all the Broncos can score. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I, if I was a gambling man, I don't care what the spread is. I'd take Kansas City and I'd give the points. Um, right. That they. The Broncos are so – they are so bad on offense. And, I, I mean, they are so bad. And, and listen, man, it's not just Russell. I mean, they, they can't beat one-on-one coverage. They don't have a tight end that's willing to block anybody. Um, you know, their offensive line, they have not been able to solve the conundrum at right tackle. Um, their right guard is a, you know, is a former Division three kid who tries hard, but, you know, you know it, it just he, he's not up to snuff yet. They lost their starting center who – I thought was an, an okay player. I think their left guard is a guy. Uh, they got a backup left tackle. Um, mm. You know, they got backup running backs, guys that weren't in the league um, at the beginning of the season. So do they have a chance? Defensively, they're pretty good. Um, mm. They'll fly around. But, you know, you know how this game is. It's a battle of attrition. And right. you, you can't ask a defense to, to go out there and play 75, 80 plays. It's just they, they can't hold up. You can't go three and out. You you know, ultimately, you got to run the ball. You got to set up your play action. You got to have right. your boot game going. You got to do all that stuff, and, and you got to shorten the game. You know, you got to take it. You got to take it from a you know twelve to thirteen possession game. You got to shorten it down to eight nine possessions. And the problem with Denver, even if they shorten it to eight or nine possessions, they're coming away with sixteen points. Eight or nine possessions, Kansas City is going to find a way to score twenty four. Right. Like right. I, I just, you're just not going to win that way. So. Um, I, I would I would say the Broncos don't have a chance, but you know, there's short of the hand of God. Um, right. <laughs> you, you no, know. Mark Slarev, thank you so much for oh, your you're time. Welcome. We're so grateful, brother. Big Jeff, love you. Chiefs love you. Kingdom, thank you for tuning in to one on one. We will see you again next week with a W, hopefully, and more to talk about from a player's perspective. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. 
For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.